Ahoy hoy, everybody, and welcome to episode 153 of the Untitled Gaming Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Pat. I'm joined today by Rick. Rick. Chance. What to do? And Zach. Hello. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We're a gaming podcast that aims to entertain as well as inform. So sit back, relax, and get ready to level up your gaming knowledge as we discuss the week's biggest gaming news, game reviews, impressions, and talk about the gaming industry in general. Of course, we don't only discuss games. Occasionally, we talk about movies, TV shows. In this case, we'll be talking about board games with Gen Con, but more on that later. First, what have you been playing? Uh, Chance. Um, I've been playing uh, a lot of Pokemon. I uh, oh, there's a uh, just for everyone out there who uh, is still playing Pokemon uh, Scarlet and um, Violet. Violet. Um, there's if you miss the um Pokemon Direct, you can actually get a free Mew. Um, if you go into the game, connect to the internet, and go to the part where you can put in a mystery code. Um, if you type in uh, get your Mew and the the O is a zero, um, you can get a free Mew. Um, so everyone should do that. Um, so I've been playing that game. Um, I'm like the first furthest I've ever been. Um, I think I just yeah, I need to beat one gym leader and then I can probably start doing like the um, Elite Four and probably go down to the, uh, I don't know, the, what do they call it? The zero area or something like that where like those... Um, special Pokemon art and things like that, and fight those bosses. So I'm I'm pretty close to almost beating it. Um, I know it's, the game's been out for a while, but um, well, this one had more stuff than the previous games, anyway, right? Yeah, and the DLC is coming out soon. Well, part one of the DLC, so um, that's why I've like, gotten back into it and played it. But um, I've been playing that a lot. League of Legends, like normal. Um, I have actually uh, discontinued uh, my WoW subscription as of right now. Uh, I just, I played the expansion so much and for so long when it came out and it's kind of boring at the moment. I know I was excited for the new uh, spec that came out, but none of my other friends were playing the game. So it was like really hard for me to group up and I don't know, I just didn't have the patience to play it, I guess. And I got bored. So I, at the moment, I don't, I'm not playing WoW right now. Still playing Jedi Survivor. I've gotten a little further. I'm literally like maybe like 70 to 80% done with the game. Um, and um, uh, Armored Core is going to come out soon. Other than that... Baldur's Gate 3, are we going to talk about that as a group? Yeah, that's right. I, yeah, I know I was forgetting something, but we can uh, you know, let you guys talk about that. Um, but yeah, we've also been playing Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Rick, what have you been playing? All right. Um, as always, at least the past few months, Tears of the Kingdom, I'm actually at the final Ganon battle. Nice. Um, Yep. I tried to beat him once. It did not work out. I think I might head back up to the surface, uh, do a few more things and come on back. Um, but you just yeah, gotta get uh, food that protects you from the blight. Yeah, the gloom. Or the gloom, yeah. Luckily, just kind of traveling the Sky Islands and finding the, uh, what's Sun, Sun Sunday Lions? Yeah. Yep. So, yep, almost there. Uh, so close, I can almost taste it, and yeah, so hopefully be done with that soon. It's only been since, what, May? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I also recently got a new phone, after, what, four years, four and a half years? 
so I could finally play things that won't just like suck down my battery. So I played some Game Pass, uh, went on there and played some Vampire Survivor, which is honestly a great game just to play on mobile. Um, and uh, downloaded Marvel Snap, which honestly I'm playing way too much of. It's consumed you. <laughs> it really has because it's it's a lot of fun. It's easy to like the battles probably take maybe like five minutes tops. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just kind of like the cards and what they do or like their abilities. And yeah, it's just a really fun game to play. It's a lot of- and it has a really great tutorial, which we'll talk about for other games, which don't have a good tutorial in a little bit. Ah, yes. Yeah, so it helped me leave things out. The only thing I didn't really get was like how to, you know, customize my avatar, but eventually you find that out. No problem. Uh, just by earning more points and ranking up and everything. So, yeah, a lot of fun for a mobile game. Um, and, yeah, I'll take it. Also, I played episode one of The Expanse, um, Telltale game. Nice. Uh, finished that. That was that was good. Uh, the, the character models, I know they're trying to make it like less cartoony than the normal Telltale games, but it's, it's weird. I don't know, like the pr- protagonist and her friend are like smiling at each other throughout this one exchange and they're just like all teeth and it is weird. Yeah. Um, Facial animations are not great. Uh, I think it's definitely a step above what telltale was like before with like the, their old engine, but it's, it's not near like nowhere near triple a and maybe not even double a. Yeah. Yeah. But they're trying. Just that, that 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 threw me off there. <laughs> that was like the most memorable thing about that episode. It was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't even Did realize you... that the main character is also like apparently like a a regular on the show. Yeah. I thought they'd do like a spinoff story, but no. Well, this is a right prequel, in. so they can kind of. Like pre- yeah. yeah. Uh, no spoilers, but did you push the button at the end? No. I did. <laughs> I figured. I figured yeah. you did. <laughs> I just figured I'd, I'd, I could use uh, the, I'm sure it'll be helpful if I didn't press the button so I'm excited um, for episode 2 whenever I can play that I think it's this week I think it came out like yesterday oh damn alright I'll yeah, be doing that later every two weeks yeah for a second there, I thought it was every one week I, I thought it was every week and I was like I got so excited I checked and it wasn't there and I was like oh well fine then <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, that's uh, what I've been playing. How about Zach? Yeah, so, you know, Fortnite, FIFA, Rocket League. Uh, Michael and I decided to get into uh, some other PC games outside of Baldur's Gate 3, which we'll talk about here in a second. So we were playing Among Us. We were playing a game called Raft. And, like, what it is, it's... Is that the survival game? Yeah, so it's, like, you and a partner, and I don't know how many people you can play up to. But it's just us two, and you like literally start the game on a raft in the middle of the ocean, and you're trying to gather materials and like food to survive. But you need to like you need to gather materials to build stuff on your raft, like water purifiers and like a small grill and stuff like that to like, cook food and and all that kind of stuff. And at the start of the game, it gets it's like pretty brutal because like you're limited on what you can find and like, and what you're able to do, obviously, because you have like nothing but like a fish hook to like try to, or like a, like a hook on a rope 
try to like gather like plastic and stuff and but like once you like get to an island find some good materials and you're actually able to like do research and like get blueprints to like build other things like there's uh the best research we did was we were able to get a uh basically like a set of like three baskets or nets or something that you can like tie to the end of the raft so it like passively gathers materials whenever it hits it then you can just like gather shit for days um so that was really fun we really enjoyed that uh, i haven't there was we ran into an issue though like after the first play session we did which we did for a few hours um mike was able to get in and then kind of use the materials we gathered to start building stuff and when i tried to go back into his world because he has the save it wouldn't let me join um so we were still trying to figure out why that was the case uh but it's a it's a, it's a pretty good game it's it's all cooperative you're like working together to build your raft and stuff and michael has told me that now that the raft is no longer a raft and that it's a yacht and that it's like very luxurious now. So I, wanna... I think I know what's going on here. I think Michael has used some sort of cheat <laughs> to progress no, quickly. And now it's not thing... letting you. Well, no, the last thing that happened was we got to this like enormous island. And it was it was insane. It's like on this island, there's like a boar and goats and stuff like that. And what like the boar attacked and incapacitated Michael. So I had to jump onto the island, pick him up drag him to the uh to the raft and then he had to go back so he could rest gather materials and come back and then we did a i did a crap load of research um to like basically have the ability to build these upgrades for the raft and then it was like one and one or two in the morning so we went to bed and the next morning he's like you need to go look at our raft now <laughs> and i'm like what do you mean he's like it's a yacht now so I don't think Michael cheated. I did a lot of research on a lot of different things we could do. Uh, and with the uh, materials we had, it was, it was more than reasonable that he was able to do that stuff. So I don't think Michael cheated. And then we played a game called Pico Park, which is just a puzzle game um, where it's like you, I think it's anywhere from up to like two to like eight players can play. And or even I think maybe even one player can play. And it's just a puzzle game. You're trying to get a key to a door on each level and there's like different obstacles or different ways to like do the puzzle like a typical platforming puzzle game um but that's really fun uh we enjoyed we've enjoyed that so i think that'd be something fun we could play as a group on stream because we work so well together all the time um and then uh we played uh baldur's gate 3 which is an amazing game that has no issues at all whatsoever and that is a lie. <laughs> it, it, it's not a lie. Some of us right, just we'll, we'll talk about it. we'll talk like, about that in a second. But yeah, that's all I played. So Pat, if you would like to go, what have you yeah. played? So yeah, thanks to Telltale, we got a code for uh, the Expanse, the Telltale game, and I also played the first episode of that. Um, I agree with Rick; it's not amazing in terms of production values, but they're, they're trying, and I'm. I'm invested in the story so far. I, I have read um, the first five books. Of, I have not seen any of the the Amazon show, but I've read the first five books. So I kind of I got a, a lot of like the lore and stuff that they were saying and the references. I'm not sure, Rick. Are, did you? I didn't, but also at the same time, like I've watched Firefly. Like I, I oh wow, they're talking like they're using the slang term for these people who salvage ships cool like i don't need to know why it's called that <laughs> okay 
Like, yeah. I get it. I get what you're doing. Yeah, it, it wasn't like overly done or anything, but there are a couple of things that they were kind of mentioning at a couple of times where I'm like, hmm, I guess they didn't explain that in this game, but it's explained in the the books or whatever. So, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. The kind of the first episode leaves off on a big decision point, which will we'll see how drastically it alters our stories because Telltale is known for doing stuff like that where it doesn't really amount to much in the next episode, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I think the release schedule is, is pretty good. So we'll, we'll be able to play the second episode here soon. Um, and then besides that, I've also been playing Marvel snap. The new season started with a uh, Dakin, I believe is the, the card you can get with the season pass. So I think is the first time in a couple of months where I'm like, I think I'm going to get the season pass. Cause that like, I can see where he'll slot right into a lot of the decks that I do play right now. So, um, that's going pretty well. And then, yeah, let's, let's talk about Baldur's Gate three, because we did stream it, uh, multiple times, actually. Uh, the first time we streamed it was multiplayer and I did not care for the game after that play session. <laughs> you gave it no chance. I gave it every chance. All right. <laughs> And this is my problem with the game because I have not played those type of games. I'm not familiar with the 5D or 5E or whatever the D&D playbook that they're using for combat. Um, I did not enjoy the click to to move, uh, you know, controls or anything like that. And when you're playing multiplayer, for some reason, it didn't give you give us any tutorials for any of the the things because it's like oh you're playing multiplayer you probably already played it or your friends will explain it but they don't know my friends they don't explain shit they gave me a tutorial and we did explain shit yeah like barely uh the game itself when you play solo it does give you more tutorials but it doesn't do the best job in explaining everything like i literally had to watch a video on how to sneak i had to watch uh, a video on like the combat mechanics or like what you can do with your inventory and how all of this stuff works. It it did not do a good job of showing me what I'm able to do. Uh, I feel like if you have a tutorial section, like the, the opening section of a game for a game like this, you should be teaching those mechanics to players. You should be encountering a, a scenario where you have to sneak past somebody and it shows you how to do that. It It does not do any of that. It just kind of throws you into it. And the big problem I have with multiplayer is that if one of your friends, aka Michael, uh, has played it before and is just going ahead of you really quickly and looting everything, you're not going to get any loot and you're not going to get any of the like in dialogue cutscenes or whatever. Because as we were playing, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. All I saw was there's a tadpole in my brain, and then we've woken up in this thing, and then we we let a girl, uh, we freed a, a cleric, and then she took something and ran away. And I, I didn't see any of the cutscenes that explained what was going on, because I was slightly behind Michael, and it only put Michael in the cutscene. I, I will argue that that's not a problem with the game, as much as it's a problem with our friend. But if the game allows you to do that if the game doesn't tell you like the game hey allows you to do that it always tells you if someone's in a dialogue scene because they put an ear next to their um but it doesn't explain what the ear means to someone who's never played these games so i'm like well, what is going on that why is it so hard because it, it, that, that's what good game design is it, it, you're supposed to teach the player the mechanics of your game you can't just expect everybody to know this game like for example this game was out in early access so yeah maybe a, a large 
chunk of your hardcore audience knows how to play the game and the controls and stuff, but there's a a big group of people that are just getting it because it launched. There's a huge group of people on PlayStation 5 that, that's going to be playing it for the first time in September. You, you're saying like those people don't deserve a tutorial? Like, no, it's it's a little bit lazy in terms of Larry and to do that. And I did not appreciate that and it did not make for a good first experience. Uh, I do recommend if you play this game, you play it solo, you have the tutorials on and you learn it slowly before jumping into a multiplayer game. Because when I did play it solo after the fact, I enjoyed it much more. I actually got the cutscenes. I was understanding what's going on with the story. Um, it actually gave me tutorials for some things. And then I had to look up videos for like, you know, basics for some other things, which kind of did uh, help round out my knowledge on how to play the game. But it should not be up to the player to go seek out that knowledge. That should be something that the developer is like, okay, we need to teach you these mechanics. We need to show you how to play the game and get the most out of the experience because you're able to do all of this stuff in, in these games. I think you just need to be better. That, no, it's <laughs> literally game making 101. I don't see like, you making the game. But if they if they did consult me when they were making the game, I would have told them, no, you need a better tutorial section. What the fuck is this? I will say I don't think many people who are not familiar with Larian are going to be I disagree completely. Not, I feel like if you have not played Divinity, you're not going to play it. I, I have not played Divinity, and I'm playing it. And I, I guarantee you there's thousands of people who have just bought the game because of the bear sex marketing. <laughs> well, it's D&D, so... Yeah, and then a bunch of people who don't play D&D are going to pick up this game. And uh, there's also like that... It's, it's rated really highly right now. Um, so there's word of mouth. It's kind of like the the first game that's opening the floodgates for like everything coming out soon. So I think there's there's going to be a lot more people playing this that have never played these type of games. So they may be a little kind of turned away from it with that opening section. But I recommend playing solo first. But yeah, you guys want to talk about our characters really quickly? I'm a paladin. I went with the Dark Urge, which is an origin character. And uh, I have a uh, mysterious thirst for killing and bloodshed and violence. And uh, it, it allows me, it gives me some options in dialogue that you wouldn't get normally. For example, instead of recruiting uh, one of the early companions, I cut off his hand by accident. <laughs> no, you did, it wasn't on accident. You Classic it is on accident. It, one of the <laughs> options was fantasize about cutting off the hand. And then so you I continued. Did. <laughs> I, I no, I literally just hit fantasize and then yeah, it's like you did it and then you wake up no the narrator is like you wake up to realize your fantasies have come true i'm like okay i guess i didn't mean <laughs> to do it but sure Baldur's gate three where your fantasies are real yeah and then the, the cleric came up behind me and she's like you were supposed to lend a hand not take his <laughs> uh zach what do you plan as uh so i'm playing my i'm playing as a uh Githyanki wizard. So I am a like uh Githyanki's the race and there's no bloodlust or anything like that where I'm killing my companions for no reason whatsoever. It's not a reason. I got an inspiration. In the build or in the playthrough that I'm doing with Chance and Michael, I'm working on uh being a necromancer. Uh Michael got himself put into prison. Uh, oh yeah, so his uh, his antics were hilarious because just like in Divinity, I kind of warned everyone, like when you play as um, a rogue, 
he runs around, steals all the loot, starts like pickpocketing everyone. And there were two occasions where it backfired and he got karma, which is funny. So, yeah, he so he got put into prison. We left him there for a, a good portion of time. Um, Did he not get out by himself? No, he couldn't get out. We had to like give him his lock picking tools, Yo, which I they put delayed all of his gear on in a chest outside, and Zach took it all. So yeah, he nice. took all of Michael's gear that he's been he stealing. Put all from of people. his shit in like an evidence chest, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And I just took it all. Fucking nice, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, honestly, it's probably for the best you're not playing with Michael. He is an infuriating person to deal with. In yeah, me. and then Chance is a bard. I. Think. Why don't you let him speak? The chance is here. It was a segue. I'm letting him speak now. Yeah, in our so in our four person playthrough, um, I'm a cleric, but in um, you know, trying to be more a supportive role, but in um in Zach, Michael, and I's um three person campaign, I chose to be a bard and I went with the College of Swords when I returned level three as my subclass. And so it's more of a um like buff myself, like make myself harder to hit and I can hit people like just, you know, with uh I've just turned her more into like a melee fighter, like a dexterity melee fighter fighter that can like dual wield weapons. So I wanna keep playing those and it's a lot of fun. It's just yeah, we haven't got had time to get back to it and play it uh recently. But um yeah, that's pretty much all we've been playing. I think we're just kind of deciding how do you, how do we want to do things because we found certain we found like three different paths to complete uh, a mission uh this is very early on like we haven't gotten very far or anything but um at some point you'll see a camp of druids and you essentially there are goblins attacking the place and they're going to do a ritual to like teleport themselves away or to make seal themselves off and so we're able to either find their missing druid that could possibly stop it we could uh we actually ended up uh sneaking a goblin a captain uh, a captive goblin out we made him invisible and now we maybe have good graces with some of the goblins, so maybe we can talk to them to, you know, stop attacking. What was the other thing? We had another... You could kill them all. I don't know. There, there was another option that we had, but it's kind of interesting how you can have multiple ways to complete the same mission. Oh, we could bring their leader back, I think was the last one. Yeah, I think that was the druid that we had to find. But then the goblins also had a healer that could possibly get rid of the parasite and stuff, so... You could kill the the druid that wants to do the ritual because that's not what the tieflings want in that same area. But yeah, it's I forgot to mention I'm also a paladin with with this, so I have a moral obligation to uphold justice. But then I'm also randomly killing people and have a bloodthirsty. Like <laughs> this uh, is what he does. I don't know. What, like we, we shouldn't be surprised by this. This is what he does. And then I'm also a dragonborn. I forgot to mention the race. So. But yeah, I'm enjoying the game now that I'm playing solo. I think I'm going to do a playthrough of solo, and then I'll do a playthrough of just fucking around with uh, uh, Michael and Zach's antics, and then we'll kind of see. I don't have any antics. I'm a perfectly, perfectly loyal soldier for the group. No, you're not. Um, you you keep wanting to do good things. That's not cool. Yeah. What again? Perfectly good soldier for the group. I, I think I'm going to kill this druid village. Um, oh my! Well, you are a tiefling, right? Oh no, no, you're a dragonborn. I'm a dragonborn, yeah. But yeah, really enjoying the game. Uh, I'm one last thing I just want to mention. Uh, when I was first playing, I was playing on keyboard and mouse, and then I switched to controller. If you switch to controller, it 
pans the camera to like third person view and you're actually moving when you're moving the control stick and it makes all the combat menus on like radial wheels. Um, so I, I think that's a good way to play if you're used to like uh, Dragon Age or something like that. Or you're playing on console. Um, so I'd recommend playing it that way. I mean, obviously you get more options and customization if you play on keyboard and mouse. It's just that that view, the top-down view and then the click to move. I feel like that breaks immersion for me a little bit and I feel like I don't have enough control over my character because I'm just clicking somewhere and then they're moving to it. But if I'm actually moving them around, I feel like I'm a more active participant in the game. So I like playing it that way. Are you guys all playing keyboard and mouse? Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. It's okay to be wrong. That is pretty much it for what have you been playing before we jump into Nautzler news. Uh, we do want to say we're streaming on Twitch, uh, so come follow us there. Obviously, we're not streaming this podcast because it is fucking really early in the morning, and we just didn't feel like streaming this one because scheduling issues. But go follow us on Twitch, and then obviously Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it for updates on that. What's the news? What's the news? Not slow news! Time for Not So News, which is where we discuss the last few weeks of video game news. It's not super fast, but it's not slow either. So let's start with the Nintendo Switch successor, which is going to be targeting 2024. Uh, Per Video Games Chronicle sources, development kits for Nintendo Switch's next console are now with key partners studios with launch planned for next year. Uh, It will likely be targeting the second half of 2024 to avoid shortages like the PS5 and the Xbox Series consoles had. Uh, They want to make sure they have enough stock available that everybody can buy one who wants one. Um, The console will likely be like a Switch-like design with a portable mode and like a handheld mode and what do they call it when dock mode? When you just put it in the... Yeah. So um, good to hear that they're keeping that philosophy that's worked very well for them. Uh, sources also suggest that it could launch with an LCD screen instead of the more premium OLED model, which uh, that would be in order to cut down costs, especially considering like the shortage of uh, or the storage needed for high fidelity games. They would need to put more storage in this device because the Switch came with, what, 32 gigs? And if you're looking yeah. at more demanding games, like what? Fucking Baldur's Gate is a hundred gigs. Call of Duty is like a thousand gigs at this point. I don't even know, but yeah, I think it would be a travesty not to have an OLED, especially if you have an OLED model Switch right now. Getting the newer Switch, but with an LCD screen, would almost be like a downgrade in terms of visual quality. So, I hope there's an option at least. I'd be willing to pay a premium for an OLED screen. Um. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I mean, I primarily play docked, so I guess it wouldn't be a big deal for me personally. But yeah, you don't want it to be like less, like almost less than your current Switch model, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I'm sure there's more launch level Switches out there than there are the OLED model, but your hardcore have bought the OLED model. So going from an OLED to an LCD. It is a downgrade, and it's a it's a noticeable downgrade. Uh, they will keep the cartridge slot. Backwards compatibility support remains unclear. They have not the sources did not confirm that. Nintendo has said nothing about this, obviously. But 
with knowing that they're keeping the same design and they're keeping cartridges, it bodes well for backwards compatibility. And honestly, it just makes so much sense to make it backwards compatible. And all your games that you do own run on this new console. And guess what? They run better. Like what we saw with the PS4 to PS5 generation. So analysts do predict that the level of the power for the new console will be around the level of a PS4. That's less than I was hoping for because obviously the, the current gen of consoles, the PS5 and the Series X came out three years ago. And now if the Switch is trying to play catch up, but it's only catching up to the last gen of the current consoles, it's it's going to be... Yeah, there's going to be a lot more goofy stuff where things want to come out on Switch but aren't able to run at the fidelity that they would like. So um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? All right. I don't know. I have no thoughts. <laughs> I have no thoughts. No thoughts. <laughs> are you okay with a, a PS4 level switch or would you want something a little higher? I think Nintendo I has already proved that it doesn't need to be higher. Yeah. Like they'll they'll sell. The first instinct is to the, the first instinct is to be like, why are you why is it not more powerful? But then the second part is like, do I expect it to be as powerful as like a PS5 or a Series X? And it's like, no, not really. Yeah, so, I mean we've talked about it before it's the portability factor mm -hmm. you want battery life you don't want a lot of heat in someone's hands which is annoying uh technology has only moved so far in terms of making things smaller and running as well as you know current gen but like um, it is a bit disappointing what like you know would this new switch would that deter people from getting a steam deck I think Nintendo's first party is the reason they don't have to worry about Steam Deck. But I thought like people could emulate or somehow play things on the Steam Deck better than Nintendo. I thought, or maybe Older would... generations, they have not... There, well, I guess there is emulators out for the Nintendo Switch, but you are emulating the environment of the Nintendo Switch, so you're losing a lot in terms of performance because you have to... It's running an emulator, which thinks it's the Nintendo Switch to run these games. So if you have super powerful hardware, like a 4090, then yeah, you could probably run Breath of the Wild for or, uh, Tears of the Kingdom 4K 60 FPS. But if you have the Steam Deck, I don't think it can handle that very well. Hmm. Plus, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get that working, and it's much easier to go buy the switch successor and tears of the kingdom yourself. So I think that's, I don't think Nintendo has to worry too much about the steam deck, but let's speculate here for a second because recently EA announced that Jedi survivor is in the early stages of being ported to PS4 and Xbox one. Now, if memory serves, this is the first time this has happened where a current gen game after the fact has announced that they're porting to last gen. Do you guys remember that ever happening previously in, in a different generation? You typically see the inverse. Yeah. Like so, new gen game or current gen game, or I'm sorry, previous gen game is getting ported to the current. Yeah, like with Cyberpunk that released for the Xbox One and PS4, and then they had right. a version that ran better, looked better for the current gen of consoles. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes a lot of resources to to get a game running 
on less powerful hardware when it was built for current gen, especially a game that like Jedi Survivor does not run well on current gen. Like right. you guys have played it. You guys know that it's not the best running game. It it's kind of muddled in in the terms of its FSR one usage or FSR two maybe. Um but they haven't even fixed it's it does not run perfectly on current gen, so it's hard to imagine it running great on last gen. So why would they do this? There are obviously you know sales implications. You're going to sell more, but if the Switch successor is going to be as powerful as a PS4, and they have the development kits, and they're starting the process of porting Jedi Survivor to the Switch successor. And they realize, okay, it's not going to be too much more work to get it running on last gen. I think that's what's going on here. What do you what do you guys think? Yeah, it certainly could be. Why I'm going to tie in a, another news story that I heard this week. Um, that well, it's announced uh, the announcement of them uh, porting uh, the original Red Dead to PS4 and Switch. Yeah. Which also makes me wonder if one of, maybe Rockstar has one of these dev kits, and then when the new Switch gets released, boom, Red Dead 2. Yeah, I mean, it could be a good way for them to like learn how to port it, and then they're like, okay, now we're going to port Red Dead 2 to the... And they kind of did Switch the testing with the original Red Dead, so I don't know. Speculation. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially if this is coming out next year. They've announced that it's in the early stages for Jedi Survivor to be ported. It makes sense for that to come out next year. And guess what? It's it's coming to Switch, or the Switch successor. It's coming to PS4, and it's coming to Xbox One. Um, that bodes well for like third-party support as well. Um, we could see more games, and like obviously, Microsoft has already confirmed that the next Call of Duty, after they purchase Activision Blizzard, will be coming to Switch. They've signed a 10-year agreement with them, so... I mean, I feel like the the pieces are lining up, and the source is credible because what they're saying makes a lot of sense. So my last question to you guys is, are you ready for a new switch next year? Do you yes. feel it's needed? Yes. yes I mean, if it's yeah, I mean, if it's playing games better, then yeah, I just need the storage. Oh, that's easy. You can I, put I mean, in an SD card in your Switch. Yeah, that I have a one terabyte storage and it, like, a whole I new console. anything on it. It's, you just want whole new. I guarantee you the new console is probably going to use an SD card as well. Um, That's fine. Yeah. My it's only too long at this point, you know, like I've waited so long to get an SD, to put an SD card in. Like, what's the point at this at this point now? Yeah, my my only concern, like, obviously, I'm ready for a new Switch. My only concern is that Nintendo has been making a lot of weird decisions in terms of backwards compatibility from the old generation to current gen uh, with the Switch. So with the Switch successor, or is it just going to be instantly everything's backwards compatible? Or are they going to do the whole thing where like, oh yeah, for $50, you can buy Tears of the Kingdom running at 60 FPS. And honestly, I really I would... hope they don't do that. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to see how greedy they can get. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they're going to try to pull something, and if people don't like it, like, oh, whoops, we didn't mean to do that. Let's fix that. You know what I mean? They're going to like try to do things in the beginning. Try and get the most money out. Yeah. yeah. And honestly. I mean, it's scummy, get... but it makes sense. I mean, you're a business. Yeah. And 
am I going to pay $50 for Tears of the Kingdom running at 60 FPS on the Switch successor? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Speaking of $50, that's the price of the Red Dead port. It doesn't, yeah, that's that ridiculous. Yeah. Really? Like, <laughs> no, I bought it for our right. Xbox for like five bucks. Exactly. Yeah. It was on sale. Yeah. And it's like, okay, $50 if you want to play it on PS4. And they're like, oh, we're justifying it because it comes with the DLC. And the DLC is $10 on top of the base game. What do you mean? That's uh, madness. Why would they do that? Well, I mean, I know why they would do that. Why? Why buy? How buy? Like, exactly. He's not even making sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ooh, yeah. My- it's it feels a little scummy and i think uh i think the price drop of that will be you'll see that 25 in a couple of months especially with all the games coming out soon but yeah um yeah speaking of uh activision being greedy uh call of duty modern warfare 3 has been revealed uh chance you want to take this one or have um, you heard about i this? guess i mean there's really not i mean at least I haven't looked too much into it myself other than seeing a bunch of the promotion and teasers they have. Um, um, so, I mean, it's essentially, you know, Call of Duty right now is kind of uh, rebooted their franchise and essentially is retelling, you know, essentially re-going through all of the Call of Duties and just, you know, maybe refining the campaign and story so that, the, you know, the franchise actually has a story or something to it. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm most likely, I don't know. I'm probably going to, I'm most likely going to get the game. I will see. Um, I mean, I typically do get Call of Duty. Um, yeah. So announced in a, it was, like I said, it was announced in short trailer, teaser trailers. Um, Activision noted that um, there'll be more details as part of Warzone event on 8-17-23. Um, so here soon, like five days. And uh, Modern Warfare 3 is expected to continue the story of Modern Warfare 2. Like I mentioned, um, you know, the campaign soft reboot um, with Task Force 141 getting back into action to end uh, Markarov and his mission. Um, Sledgehammer Games will be um, the lead developer on the game um, and it'll be released um, on 11 10 23, so November 10th of 23. Um, surprisingly, Activision, um, they confirmed that uh, Modern Warfare 2 weapons and cosmetics will carry over to Modern Warfare 3. But um, yeah, a cosmetics transfer over, which is interesting. Additionally, all of uh, Modern Warfare 2's attachments will be available on Modern Warfare 3 and can also be used on um, uh, Modern Warfare 3 weapons, assuming that uh, they are attachable to the weapon in question. Um, weapon progression uh, will also be shared between games. For example, leveling up M4 and Modern Warfare 3 will also level up the gun in Modern Warfare 2 um, and vice versa. Um, they're. Uh, there's uh, this is with um, more uh, incremental upgrades or just DLC rumors about Call of Duty uh, 2023 are coming from. So, yeah, so it's not a like I mentioned a long time ago, um, there were rumors of Call of Duty um, being a DLC and not skipping this a year full fledged game. Yeah. But um, seeing how they have all this pro- cross progression, um, it makes it sound like a DLC and um I feel as if um, this is kind of fun and interesting. So it's like, you know, I guess um, not everyone will start from fresh, but I also feel like they feel like they do need to have some kind of new weaponry. Um, Well, first of all, it's going to it's going to be insane. There's going to be so many guns in this game because obviously they've added some since Modern Warfare 2. 
Um, so they have a huge arsenal, and I also feel like they need to introduce new guns because people will get bored if, oh, here I'm playing another Call of Duty for another year using the same exact guns with the same exact attachments, and obviously people like keeping the progression, but it also might be kind of stale if all the weapons are exactly the same, and yeah, it's nice you don't have to, you know, do progression, and I'm, you know, you're not going to lie, every time a new Call of Duty came out, there was always guns that were called different and looked different, but they had the same... Um, you know, that's effectiveness as other guns way, in previous yeah. games, you know, things like that. So um, even though this cross progression is sounding really promising, I do hope that there is enough n new in the game to um, keep people playing um, for almost the entire lifetime of this game. So I don't know. I'm probably not going to get this because this year is crazy and I'm not going to have time to play it. And assuming the Activision Blizzard merger or acquisition goes through, then it'll come to game pass eventually. Um, but that th seems like they're, they're starting the transition to make call of duty more of a platform than just a, a yearly release with, uh, they're talking about how progression will carry over between games. They're talking about Warzone being a major like, uh, update with this game and how progression and like certain stats and stuff will carry over between call of duty mobile and these games. Like it's, they really want to make everybody who plays Call of Duty play all of the Call of Duty ecosystem games, which, I mean, good news for people who like Call of Duty, but doesn't do really anything for me. I just know that this game is going to come out and probably sell a shit ton because it does every year. Yeah, there's that. And um, like we mentioned, uh, are we going to get into that? Maybe I'm probably in the later podcast, um, but it would seem that the you know, Activision getting bought by micro, uh, Microsoft, um, you know, that could also lead to changes um, in later Call of Duty games, um, you know, whether it be adding it to Game Pass, uh, maybe an increase in Game Pass price, um, but uh, also, you know, it could lead to maybe a different developer working on Call of Duty or something like that, so um, that would add like you know a, a breath a breath of fresh air to the to the franchise. So it's kind of interesting to see where Call of Duty will go, um, you know, within the next several years. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see where this uh what where this franchise goes. Zach, Rick, any thoughts on Call of Duty? I, I'm gonna get it probably. Well, do we have any indication when that Activision Blizzard thing will go through? And if it does, would COD come to Game Pass like immediately, or is there like a delay? Uh, I am not like we don't know the 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 agreements that they have with PlayStation. That agreement is said to run out this year. Did that cover 2023's Call of Duty or not? We don't know yet. Um, so if if they had like a, a stipulation in their contract, like their marketing deal with Activision, that your games cannot go to a rival uh, service at launch, then no, it wouldn't come at launch. But the merger is supposed to close. Uh, they're they're kind of still trying to hammer out the the issues with the CMA, which looks like it's it's going to close eventually. It's whether that's in the end of August, whether that's in October, it's still going to close. Um, when it closes, all of the old Call of Duties for sure will be coming to Game Pass. I'm not sure if this Call of Duty will come right away or if it'll come like in six months or something like that. And then I'll I, play I, it when it comes to Game Pass. 
Yeah, right now it's like deciding do I get it when it comes to Game Pass or do I get it? Um, I, mean, I would say just like, wait for Game Pass. There's going to be plenty to play in between that. You're probably still going to be playing Starfield in November. Yeah, yeah and not to mention they said prog- progress will carry over. So it's not like if you start, you'll be behind. So you'll have all the progress if you played the previous Call of Duty. So there's even less reason to like get the game at launch. Yeah, just go grind in Modern Warfare 2, Zach. I guess. <laughs> Moving on quickly to the THQ Nordic showcase. There wasn't a whole lot here, uh, but there were some interesting announcements. So we're just going to kind of breeze through them. So TMNT, The Last Ronin, was confirmed to be in development with a 45-second teaser. Uh, it was announced as being developed by Black Forest Games, which are the uh, developers of the the Destroy All Humans remasters. Which I don't know, chance you you like played and you, you had a good time with them, but they haven't really reviewed too well. Yeah, um, I think uh, they worked on uh, Biomutant, right? Or is that what made? Uh... No, that's someone else. Okay, yeah, but. Um... Yeah, this was kind of unexpected and kind of exciting. Um, I had actually recently just got the hardcover of this comic run. Um, it's kind of like a standalone story. Um, um, that's just about. Um, uh, uh, it's more mature and darker, and essentially, it's about um, you know, you're everyone's so used to like you know the four turtle brothers, you know, working together as a team. But in this darker story, there's only one left. And um, he is trying to essentially go on a suicide mission to defeat the big bad enemy. You know, it's just a lot darker and for TMNT. So it'd be very interesting for this to be like a very like mature and dark TMNT game, which I don't think has ever really been made um, before. And um, I'm kind of hope they take their time and, and do well with this. And now that they have, they can literally just follow a comic and they have a story there that maybe they can just focus on the game playing well and not so much on a story because they, you know, they should just follow it um, how it is in the comics and they should be fine. So, yeah, I'm I was surprised to see this here as well, because the Embracer Group CEO did casually mention this in an interview and. We talked about it on a previous podcast, so it seems weird that we're getting a teaser for it without any additional details, just confirming that it's in development, which we already knew. So I would have personally liked that you guys would have waited a little bit and then shown us with like, you know, actual gameplay or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it was here. People seem excited about it. Next up, we have South Park Snow Day, which is a 3D co-op multiplayer game coming to PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. Uh, honestly, it did not seem great in terms of production value. I feel like the old South Park games, the Stick of Truth and uh, the Fractured Butthole, um, those, if you looked at them, they were very much in the same vein as the TV show. Like You could hardly tell if somebody was showing you a clip without the HUD or something, you're like, Oh, was this a new episode or is this the game? Like you couldn't tell because they did such a good job keeping that same aesthetic, uh, with like the, the 2d, uh, aspect of it. But with this game being 3d, uh, it's, I don't know. It just seems weird. Have you guys seen the trailer? The the character models, it looks kind of like not very, like looks like a mobile game. It doesn't have a lot of quality. 
Yeah. Like, it looks like a PlayStation like four game or something or like, yeah, or I was going to say like a, a mobile game, like, yeah. Well, you would and it looks like that. more of a, like, like a shooter almost not really. Like it's almost looks like a game where it's almost like kind of call of duty ish or arcade ish where it's like maybe a, teams against each other and yeah, you just yeah. throw snowballs or have a, a special abilities and like maybe it's like a character shooter or character kind of game yeah i That's think it's like. it's going back to like the fantasy role-playing aspect of like stick of truth uh because fractured but was more like superhero themed um so that's cool i guess but um we'll kind of see how well this ends up going with uh more information coming i think it's scheduled for 2024 but i could see this getting delayed if uh if it's kind of not up to to par um, and then finally, Alone in the Dark got a couple of new trailers focused on the two playable characters, uh, David Harbour's character and then uh, Jodie Comer's character. Uh, both seem like really good performances. I hope the uh, facial animation can kind of keep up with that. But um, overall, the game does look interesting. It's not I don't think it'll be like a, an amazing horror game because I think Rick even said that the original Alone in the Dark wasn't great. Um, but I'm I'm totally every, down. Every, every release from the series has not every been great. Release, yeah, uh, I'm down for a mediocre horror game in October. So I don't know. Yeah, and honestly, they have the uh, I think the prologue is available right now for yeah. download. So and it was like I might actually test it out and see. <laughs> yeah, like visually, the the prologue looked good. Um, it was only like ten minutes though, and I think Zach should play it on stream maybe because there is a moment in there that I think will completely freak Zach out, but Hey Zach, has anyone scared you yet for a t-shirt? My mom wants to so bad. She texted me. She was like, how do I scare Zach to get a t-shirt? No, no (laughs) one's tried yet. I have been on my guard and alert ever since that deplorable bounty was bounty was made. Like (laughs) I can't even think of the word for it. I was just so taken aback by why my friends want me to be scared so bad. That was messed up that you said that. Like wow. (laughs) You all have like like, I don't understand it. Like people who like enjoy being scared, they're like, oh yeah, it's an adrenaline rush. I'm like, go on a roller coaster or something. Be normal. Don't be sick and twisted. I want to be scared. How is that sick and twisted? It's It's an emotion like anything else. They're like, yeah, fear is your most primal emotion. Is it like, when do you told me to face my fears? Like, I don't want to face my fears. I'm scared of them. Like, I will give a free T-shirt to anyone who makes Zach face his fears. I will give a free T-shirt to anyone who chooses to not have me face my fears. Like, he doesn't have the T-shirts. I do. Like, I have my T-shirts. You can have my T-shirts. <laughs> oh God! If worn at Gen Con, they have value. Uh, that that means you only have three three. Shields. opportunities <laughs> that's fine that, that's all i need I, I don't get scared that often i have three that i can use it, the bounty has been laying anyone can claim it just just scare zach any yep. moment anytime in perpetuity no not in perpetuity <laughs> I don't, i'm not living my whole life in fear <laughs> i mean you're basically you doing that now. being scared what kind of <laughs> sick life is this oh god um and then lastly the not so news topic here is devolver digital showcased a uh devolver delayed thing that they uh like a showcase that they just put on twitter real quick it's like a three minute video kind of quickly goes through oh here's what's coming in 2024 that was supposed to come in 2023 so 
We're just going to give you the short recap of it. So games that are still coming in 2023 is the Talos Principle 2, Gumbrella, Karma Zoo, the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, and Wizard with a Gun. Those are still confirmed for 2023. Uh, games that were previously announced for 2023 and now are moving to 2024 is Pepper Grinder, the Plucky Squire, sorry, Chance, uh, Stick It to Stickman, uh, Skate Story, and Angerfoot. I had heard of all of these pretty much in Devolver uh, previous showcase, except I don't think I heard of Stick It to Stickman, and that actually looks pretty interesting. So I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for that next year. But yeah, I think this was a real, like, obviously in Devolver, like, you know, their uh, MO, they did this in a really uh, funny way of announcing this that I'm not even mad. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> All right, moving on to topic of show. Uh, we're going to talk about our, our experience at Gen Con. So we will be talking about tabletop board games. Uh, so if you're not a fan of those, I'm not saying tune out, but probably a good time to tune out. <laughs> so let's start with uh, the audio game. Uh, we all played this. This is from Wilder Toys. Uh, we went to the booth. We spoke with uh, Casey, and then I think Jordan was also there. Uh, but he kind of gave us an overview of the the game, gave us a copy of the game, and we went home. We played it. Uh, only so it's kind of like uh, Cards Against Humanity, or what do you meme? In that, like somebody picks a, a prompt, and then everybody gives cards, and the funniest response uh, that gets voted on ends up winning. Um, only one person needs to download the app. It does come with a, an app. Uh, which is very convenient as to having everybody download an app for like Jackbox or whatever you, you need. Um, it came out about four weeks ago, so it's a relatively recent game. Uh, they're, they're, talking, they're talking about having a, an expansion come out in December, and they have plans to add like personalized audio, um, but they will need to like kind of reach critical mass before they can can do that. I don't believe this was a Kickstarter. I think this was just a... A release but the way the game works is all of these cards have a qr code that you can use the app to scan and they're just clips from like famous memes um and so whenever you put down a card the back of it has the qr code so whoever the the person reading is scans the qr code and then the the clip plays or like the audio plays so everybody can hear it and it's being delivered in the way it's supposed to be delivered. And I think that's kind of one of the things about Cards Against Humanity, where if you have an unenthusiastic reader uh, or judge or what have you, they don't deliver the joke the best, which could end up causing it to not land. Um, this kind of removes that whole aspect of it. So the joke's going to land every time because you know how uh, how the audio is played. Um, I really like the game. I could see this being like a, a regular rotation, like Cards Against Humanity. What about you guys? Uh, so I think what I like most about it um, is that being able to play the the memes and the stuff on the app. Uh, kind of the the hard thing about Cards Against Humanity is like if your delivery sucks, the card sucks, even if the card is amazing, mm -hmm. right? Like if the person reading it or judging it doesn't like deliver the joke well or the timing's bad or whatever then it could kind of like ruin it but the meme itself is like you're just playing it and it will 
it will do it it will be delivered as the meme was intended and i think that's the yeah. best part of it and most um, of the memes were recognizable they kind of have like a picture and like they you yeah. read what it says and then you play the card and then the person scans it and it actually plays the audio clip right exactly and it's like and they they there's a few that we didn't know when we were playing but most of if not almost all of them we we all knew so sometimes that worked in the favor of the person because like they played it thinking it was something and then the tone was like a little kid saying it so that it worked even well and like the card has like a little bit of a description on it it'll say like exasperated young man or something or young boy and it's just like (laughs) oh well how young are we talking here like oh no young boy like kids like six years old i didn't know what six-year-old could be exasperated i'm fucking done (laughs) yeah because i read that card like i'm fucking done i'm fucking done and the kid's just like i'm fucking done (laughs) (laughs) like sometimes it's almost better but yeah um but yeah no i i really like it i really enjoy it i think it's something that a lot of people would enjoy and uh i i almost like it cards against humanity is just like way more out there and like way more vulgar where this is just like I'm not going to say it's family friendly. It's definitely not, but it's not as like out there as like Cards Against Humanity is. Um, I feel like it takes less of a an effort um, than Cards Against Humanity, and I'm not right. saying that is a bad thing. Sometimes you want just a yeah. After you play a three hour board game with like intense rules, this is a good palate cleanser. Um, but it's it's thirty dollars. It's available at Target. Uh, I think it's worth the thirty dollars. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the one thing, like if you know how to play Cards Against Humanity, you know how to play this game. The one change is that everybody gets a voting token, so everybody is voting every round. So you can play it that way, where it is a more of like a democratic process to see who who ends up taking the point of the round, or you can play it classic Cards Against Humanity rules if you want, where the the judge decides every time. So. Um, we played it with voting and we just had the judge be the tiebreaker. But yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Next up, we'll talk about Call of Duty, the board game. So a little crisscross between the board games and the video games. We we demoed this uh, at Gen Con. We played 2v2. So it was me and Zach versus uh, Chance and one of our other friends. It was enjoyable. It did have a lot of rules and like the guy explaining it was kind of like he had some trouble keeping everything straight. I don't know if you guys got that same impression. Oh yeah. 100%. Until who was who? (laughs) That too. Um, But they, they did try to keep the spirit of the video game in tabletop form. So you have a map and then you have your characters on the map. They, they start in certain locations and then you can have up to four moves that you place down on the map where you want your character to go. And, I'm going to mute chance. Uh, I think he's like changing or something or talking to somebody. But uh, if, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, you have four moves and all the moves take place at the same time. So if you're playing 2v2, I'm going to lay out my four moves. Zach's going to lay out his four move. Chance and his partner lay out their four moves. And then all the moves happen at once. So your first move your second move, your third move, and you don't have to commit to like all four moves. You can only do one move. You can only do two moves because in Call of Duty, you can obviously stand still and camp if you want to. Um, and then anytime there's line of sight, uh, 
the combat starts and the combat is like a dice roll and the stats of your gun, um, your accuracy, your defense and your damage all play into how much damage you're going to do to each other. And the point of the game is to just do more damage to the other person that they, than they do to you. There's no like actual health points. If I do 21 damage to chance and he does 26 damage to me, I'm dead. Chance is still alive, but he's wounded because our damages were close enough together. Um, yeah, it had to be within five. I was confused. We're talking about the Call of Duty board game, right? That was confusing. Yeah, it, it was. I had like I was like faster than you. I had more defense or whatever that meant. And then just because you just did astronomically more damage, you won the fight. And I'm like, not to mention, I think the guy, he was really nice, but I don't really think he really knew the rules. Like I was like, I was correcting him on rules because I played the game in origins and um, I felt like we played a game differently. And then, yeah, I I feel like he was just there just to like work for like maybe his free pass or something. And then um, that was it. But uh, yeah, we talked about that. Like he, he seemed like he wasn't keeping the rules straight the entire time <laughs> yeah so but yeah i mean it seems like it could be an interesting concept but i don't see any reason that i would play this over the video game um if you have two people that enjoy call of duty just play the game <laughs> the the video game as opposed to the board game um in keeping with the spirit of call of duty uh they want to keep the the transaction model going so uh out of the box you have two characters and one map and then you're able to buy more characters more weapons more maps separately so you can have microtransactions for more more that is hilarious (laughs) yeah that's so call of duty uh yeah um any other thoughts on that zach did you did you enjoy it more than me did you hate it um, I didn't hate it. I I enjoyed it because we kicked chances. Oh yeah, we won. We, we demolished. Ass, I also think we. I don't know if we played their game properly, so I don't know. Um, but it's also like I I felt like I should mention there's a flag as well. Oh yeah, there's a flag in the middle where you if you capture, well, just capture that, the flag, play. I think you can just straight up play Team D. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you can play a couple of different game modes, but and there were so many rules that we didn't play with, like there were grenades. There were kill streaks. Matt said he nuked someone. There are different weapons. Um, the characters that you play as um, are iconic Call of Duty characters that have different abilities. And we just played bare bones, and I don't even think we even played bare bones right. So, um, yeah, the line of sight I didn't understand because I felt like it was just you like, could, like aim down fight. You could like crouch, and we didn't do any of those special actions or anything. Well, line of sight is just like if you are looking at the person. Right. And they're not looking at like, you. You just get just one like, point on your accuracy versus right. them not like, getting that. Right. It was just like arbitrary, right? Like how I decided to set up my figure or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just ha- it, that's just dumb. Like if I decided to turn my figure like 90 degrees and suddenly have line of sight, I'm like, okay, well, why is that your game mechanic? I can see that he could see it if he just turned his head 30 degrees. Or something. So I felt like that was I didn't like that concept of it at all. I liked it better if it was like if the direction you're moving was your line of sight or something, then that would maybe make sense. But um I thought it was okay. I would rather play the video game, which I kinda I kinda went into that with that kind of mindset. I wasn't necessarily open minded about it. I was like, I'm gonna play Call of Duty the board game. I'm like, I'd rather Which is funny because while we were waiting for the demo, they had Call of Duty The video game. 
Black Ops, Black Ops 2 setup, maybe. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, you guys were playing that. So it's just like instantly going from that to this. You can see it's a step down. Um, I, I, that's that's why I kind of don't know who this is for, because Call of Duty fans are just going to go play Call of Duty. And if you're not a Call of Duty fan, there's better board games out there. So, I mean, I'm not against uh, having a video game become a board game. It just seems like this isn't the right one. So. Um, and then next I want to do, I do want to talk about dolphin hat games, which is a company that had a booth. Uh, we actually talked to Eric Schroeder, who's the director of operations there. And he did a really good job demoing the games and kind of showing us how to play. And they had a, a sale going on. So we ended up getting three games for $20. And normally the games are like 10 to $15 each in, uh, in the store, but at, at the booth they had a sale. So we're just going to quickly go through these three games that we did play. Uh, the first one was Steal the Bacon. And it's kind of like Egyptian Slapjack, where you have a deck of uh, cards, and everybody, ha well, everybody has, you divide up the cards evenly amongst all the players, and each of the cards have a breakfast food on the pitcher. There's no actual words or anything on it. Um, so each time, everybody plays a card one by one, going in order. And if anybody has the same pitcher face up they can slap the bacon in the middle and get a point basically um but if you flinch you have to give one of your bacon back so it, it's a very because all the foods look alike oh this is a waffle this is also a waffle but this one has syrup so like little minor changes like that kind of encourage you to flinch uh which makes the game fun and then there's special rules if if somebody draws a character with like this like really evil looking waffle you have to say awful waffle and then cover your eyes real quick before you slap the bacon to get the point so uh there was that one and then there was a uh, clap clap flapjack which you have to clap twice while saying clap clap flapjack and then you could slam down the bacon and get the point and the last one is just a bacon card and anyone can just slap the bacon first you don't have to say anything. Um, Michael kept yelling bacon and then he tried to slap it. So then we made the house rule that if you yell bacon, when that comes up, you don't get the point. <laughs> so, um, it was just really fun. Uh, did you actually play this game, Zach, or did you not play this? No, I, uh, I was playing pong while you guys were playing that, but it sounds like Egyptian rat screw just with a little bit more rules. Yeah. I mean, it was real fun. Cause like, it's not like the awful waffle and the clap, clap, flapjack look, a, a lot alike or anything but in your mind you're trying to keep everything straight so people will be saying awful waffle or like you know for the wrong thing at one point so michael combined them so instead of clapping for the flapjack and covering his eyes for the awful waffle he clapped his face <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was real fun and like i said we talked about like the palate cleanser game i think this is a perfect like easy to learn you have a lot of fun. It's a quick game, and it's 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 just a lot of fun. In fact, that's kind of their whole philosophy with uh, Dolphin Hat Games. So, the other one we played is Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Um, it's it's similar in in the fact that you are like slapping uh, uh, some cards down, but um, the object of this game is to lose all the cards in your hand. So, everybody has uh, cards in a deck which are. Uh, a taco, a cat, a goat, a cheese, like a 
slice of cheese and a pizza. And as you go through, you start with the first person. The first person says taco. No matter what their pit, the picture on the card is, they say taco. And then it goes around in a circle until everyone says like taco, cat, goat, cheese, pizza. If at any time the person says the same thing that is on the card. So if it's my turn to say goat and I put down a card and it is a goat, the first person to slap or the last person to slap the cards picks up those cards. And the point of the game is to get rid of your card. So again, it was it was a fun, quick game, and we were just having a lot of fun with like people saying, "Wait, is it goat cheese?" Oh, uh, uh, and then again, if you flinch, you end up having to take the cards. And they also had special cards in here, and this was a orangutan, and you had to like, or it's gorilla, so you have to beat your chest before you slap down. If it's a groundhog, you have to stomp the table. Uh, before you slap, and then if it was narwhal, you have to clap a horn on your head before you slap. So again, a lot of fun because you're mixing up all the different like stuff. And we had played this right after b- the bacon game, so Michael was still doing the awful waffle and stuff like that. Uh, so it was real fun. Um, and then the last game is Gimme That, which is uh a little bit different. It's everybody gets a sheet with fifty potatoes on it but there's only one pencil and the object of the game is to count all of the potatoes. You have to write one, two, three, four, all the way through 50 of them, but there's only one pencil. So somebody randomly starts with the pencil and they're marking it. Meanwhile, everybody else is rolling a dice and each, every time you roll the dice, it corresponds to a different thing you're doing. So if you roll the dice and it has a picture of a pencil on it, you say, give me that. And you take the, the pencil and then you start marking your sheet down. If you roll it, there's a, a groundhog one where everybody stomps the table near the person who's writing to kind of mess them up. Uh, everybody high fives for one of them. Everybody knuckle bumps for one of them. Um, just crazy stuff like that. And then at one time you uh, pass the sheet to the left. So if you've written all the way to 40 and it comes to pass the sheet to the left, now that person starts at 40 and just has to finish the rest of it. So it's a really fast-paced game, and it was fun. I I think this was probably the least fun out of the ones we played, but it was still a good time. Um, So I enjoyed all of these games, and I think uh, Eric demoed them pretty well. Zach, do you want to talk about Warlord Chess? Yeah, so uh, Warlord Chess uh, is a four-player chess game that's made by... Hammer Dog game. I was talking with, I believe it was Andrew, I think it was. And basically what it is, so it's a four-player chess game, and there is like normal four-player chess, which like is a thing, like if you're on chess.com or league chess or something, uh, where you can play standard four-player chess and those chess rules apply. But with Warlord Chess, it's a bit uh, different. So instead of the players lining up straight across from each other as you would in a normal chess you are kind of like orthogonally placed from each other so your your board is set up uh in a corner almost kind of like chinese checkers style um but you're surrounding like your throne room your castle and like a courtyard and stuff that's at the base of your board so you have a normal you have normal chessboard squares, like the black and white squares, but you can retreat your pieces backwards into your like kind of a hub triangle. And then from there, it expands the movement like immensely. So within your throne room or your triangle at the bottom, 
you have three different levels. You have the peak of the uh, chessboard, or of the triangle, excuse me, which is like the throne room. And then you have a middle section, which um, expands the pyramid further. And then the bottom section is your courtyard. And from there, they're each different colors. They alternate. So it goes white, black, and then white. And if you're in like that bottom base courtyard, for example, the white uh, base goes all the way to the edges of the board. And any square that it touches allows you to expand your movement all the way up to the opposite side of the board as far as those squares can go. So it like dramatically changes the way the pieces can move. Uh, it can, it allows for way more kind of freedom of movement and mobility for pieces that typically wouldn't have a lot of movement. And there's a central square, the kind of right in the middle of the board called the chaos square. And if you go in there, you can send your pieces basically in any direction. So the pieces will move as normal chess pieces would, like pawns will move forward, but because of the way the board is oriented, it's moving kind of diagonally on the board, and then you're attacking left and right, which is kind of inverted from how they would typically move. Uh, but if you get to the central square, you can move the pieces to like, almost, any, you can move them to any direction. So if you're familiar with chess, for example, like you have bishops that only stay on one color. You have a bishop that stays on the white squares and a bishop that stays on the dark squares. Uh, well, if you get to the chaos square, you can kind of move it in any direction. So a white squared bishop can move to a dark square. So it's super interesting. It's really fun. I love chess. Uh, so I'm always interested in seeing like different variations of chess. So I thought it was uh, really interesting. And what I liked most about it um, was. Um, when I was going to like buy the game, they had all these different colors of pieces you could buy, and they like gave you the choice of what four colors you could take with you instead of just having them be like base four whatever colors they had. Uh, so I picked up a crimson red for if ever Pat wants to play because he only ever wants to be red. Um, I got a purple. I got this kind of like turquoise ish blue and a hot pink so very obscure uh chess colors and also it's a double-sided board so it just doubles as a regular chess board as well so it has like one side which has the the crazy chess and then you have the flip side of it which is just a normal chess board uh so I, it's really interesting uh it was andrew zimmerman who i was talking to and then they are also coming out with a game called chaos chess in the near future where it's normal chessboard normal pieces um but you have it, it brings like a a card game mechanic to it as well and you can like play cards while you're playing chess to like enhance your pieces or do damage to the boards like you can put like a bottomless pit on the board and basically like that square is like gone forever and you can never move to it um, or if a piece does move to it they'll like fall in the pit and die um so it's a really interesting concept, really cool. I really like what they're doing. So if you're a fan of chess um, and like variations of chess, I and have three friends who also like chess and are willing to play. I guess that's the one drawback. You need four people to play. Well, actually, no, you don't necessarily need four players. You can play with two or three. You just wouldn't use those sections of the board. Um, but it is certainly intended for four players. Um, but if you're a fan of chess, I would recommend it. It's really interesting. It's really fun. We played a little bit of it. 
um, while we he was demoing it, while Andrew was demoing it at the table. Um, so yeah, no, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. So hopefully it's something we can play in the near future. I know Pat is a huge fan of chess. He loves it immensely. Um, oh yeah, Queen's Gambit all the way. <laughs> so so yeah, so that was that was Warlord Chess. I know it's kind of difficult to describe if you're not super familiar with chess, but if you are, get it. It's loads of fun. And then, um, Mission Control Critical Orbit was fun, too. I know that was one that you, me, and Chance demoed. Yeah, and we we played with uh, Jakaya, who who explained it really well, too. And everybody has... So basically, one person is stuck in space, losing oxygen. And the rest of the, the people playing have to work together with that person to save them and get them enough oxygen that they can survive in space. So you're kind of role-playing your, uh, you're like the Martian or something like that. Um, but everybody has different, uh, like objectives that they have to do. So when we're playing uh, Zach, you were the Sudoku person, right? Yeah. Yep. So he has to make little, uh, Sudoku squares and each time he does, it gives us a bonus. Um, Jakaya, the, the demoer was playing with like, adding numbers to different bar graphs to have them add up to the right number. Um, and then Chance was doing a... Uh, what was Chance doing? He was kind of doing like he the Tetris create, puzzles. Yeah, he had to create like shapes with the numbers you gave him. Yeah, yeah it was like Tetris. Like, how can I make things fit? Um, luckily, um, we got to the point to where like I didn't really manage my shapes very well. I just went straight for like the um, action so that Pat and the other people could get to their stuff faster. And um, I at, at some point I couldn't do anything like the last turn or whatever, because I my, my shapes took up all the spaces and I couldn't really do anything else. But um, but yeah, we ended up winning. So that was fun. Yeah, uh, the game did come out about six weeks ago. Uh, it was really fun. Um, you're kind of doing it in real time. So I was the person who was stuck in space. So I'm rolling two dice. And then I am saying like, okay, I have a three and a five and chance. Like I need the five. Um, wait, no, I rolled three dice, right? Yeah. yeah. You rolled three, three. You gave us two. Yeah. I rolled three dice. So I'm like, oh, I have a three, five and a six and chance. Like I really need the five. And, uh, Zach's like, I need the three. So I give them the three and the five. They can use both of those numbers and I keep the six and I use the six to kind of move up a track on my little board. And the point is all the puzzle pieces that chance is unlocking for me. I'm using them to connect different valves to give me oxygen, um, like form like a, a like a puzzle. It's almost like one of those hacking puzzles in uh, Bioshock or something like that, um, where I'm using these pieces and I'm trying to fit them together to connect these two uh, valves. Um, they have like blocks in between on some of the pieces where like it's not it's not it's closed and I have to open it. And the way I unlock it is. Uh, Zach or uh, Jakaya would give me a bonus every time they completed one of their objectives, and that would allow me to unlock it, or it would allow me to remove a bad piece or something like that. So you're you're working together and doing all of this in real time. Um, we only had like 15 minutes. Yeah, we only got 15 minutes. To so you had to you it. had to do it kind of quickly, and uh, we it like really came down to the wire in the game we were playing it, and it's the difficulty changes based on how many oxygen um, you want to unlock. So I think the easy was six oxygen. 
we were able to get eight oxygen. So we beat the medium difficulty, but we only had like six seconds left <laughs> when I finally yeah. put the last thing together. So it it really came down to the wire and I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know about you guys. Was, was it fun in your roles versus what I was doing? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was just it was just fun to have, the, and the fact that you can just play all the different roles and you can change the difficulties and stuff too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I just I just like the cooperativeness and um, it was like, like high pressure in a good way. High yeah. pressure, yeah, and um, like you know you can change up the roles and the roles can be harder and stuff. So it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. It was different. It's ideally played with four people. He said you could play with less, but then it adds like you need all the roles. So it adds like a almost like a computer doing it where you're just flipping cards. And he's like, it ends up being a lot less fun. So he's he's like the ideal way to play is with four people, um, which is why he joined us in the demo. And I, I do agree with him. It was really fun with all four of us there. And it seems like everybody had stuff to do as each of the dice rolls were going on and stuff. So I really enjoyed that game. And chance has left us. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I blame and... me for doing the chance voice. <laughs> I thought that was you. <laughs> and then, uh, Zach, you have a, a last game here you want to talk about. Yes. I want to talk about Class. It was my favorite game at the convention. I had the most fun playing it. So what it is, it's basically air hockey mixed with soccer. So... It's you playing against an opponent one on one. You have a um, you have a black magnet, like a, almost like this uh, little size of the chess piece, almost on the board. And you have a magnet; it's magnetized, and you have a magnet underneath the board to move the piece around. Uh, there's a ball. Your opponent has the same thing. There's a ball, and there's three small white magnet pieces that can get stuck to your piece. Your objective is to either put the ball into the opponent's goal, which is just a small hole uh, at the end of their board, um, and it's kind of like hockey style where you can go behind the hole, um, or you get them to have two of the white, two of the three white magnet pieces to connect to their uh, piece, um, and then if you put your own piece into your own goal or your piece gets connected to their piece, the other team gets a point. Your opponent gets a point. So it's a game to six, and they had so their story was really cool. So they have like Classic is a huge game. It's like based out of Denmark. They have a world championship that's happening next month. Um, and prior to Gen Con, they actually had a lot of their stuff stolen. So they had a bunch of stuff in a warehouse in Texas and they were down there. I guess there was some sort of event happening. A, few weeks before gen con they go down there where they had their all their storage stuff is and a lot of the stuff in their storage got stolen so they had like ellie they had like a bunch of tv screens that were meant for their booth for gen con like all this kind of stuff they had obviously copies of their game and they just had a bunch of stuff stolen um so they like on very short notice had to like set up something for gen con because all the stuff that they had prepped for that was gone so they decided to do a king of the hill style tournament winner stays on and if you stayed on the longest you won a free trip to finland for the world championships uh you wouldn't play in the world championship but you get to attend it um and that was like such a cool concept for them to do 
every time I went to the booth, it was packed and there were people there watching or getting in line to play. Um, I played three times. The first two times I lost six to five. Um, and then the third time I stepped up to the board and the person who was top of the leaderboard at that time, his name is Michael. He had like 88 minutes and some change on the board. I stepped up to play against Owen, who had 86 minutes on the clock when our game started. So he's right about to overtake to win the trip to Finland or to be the king of the hill at that point. And I beat him and he had like 87 minutes and 55 seconds or something. So he was like 40 seconds away from going to the top. And I just saw you shattered all- a dream. I shattered the dreams. And Owen's like 17 years old. Michael's like 18 years old. So I shattered the dreams of a young man. Like I was people were sitting there and they were like, You're the villain of Gen Cup. Now like I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> I felt so bad. Like Owen was like sitting there and he got through the last game and he's like shaking. He's like so nervous because he's about to overtake the board. And I sit down and he's like, Don't do this to me, man. I'm like, hey, I sat down, I'm like we can do this. I'm going to give you my best game, but we can take it slow so you get over the clock. And I just, it just, the game just like went my way, fortunately. And then I stayed on for like another 30 minutes or so. So I was on for like 33 minutes. And then Michael, who is at the top of the board, decided to come and sit down at the table <laughs> to stop me from going the distance. He was like, Do you, he basically walked up and he's like, We can do this now or we can wait until you get closer. And I was like, you know what? If we have, if I have to get through you to get to the top, we might as well just do it now. I'm not gonna wait. Um, so he went, went, played. He crushed me. He beat me like six to two. Um, but Did the he crazy come thing, back over and over again, or yeah, you got like un- you got unlimited tries essentially at this, but you have to stay on the board for the entire time, right? So mm-hmm. Michael had 88 minutes. Someone actually ended up overtaking him. Uh, there's a guy named Andrew who was on the board for two hours and 22 minutes and 16 seconds. So he was just on the board. They start a clock and your time is just perpetual until you lose. Your time just keeps going until you lose. Um, So it was really fun, really cool concept. Shout out to Ben, who was the uh, guy who was like running the booth and he's like helped like launch class and everything. So it was a really good time. It was really fun. Interesting concept. Um, and good on them to like keep everything going after having all their shit stolen because that had to have been just awful to have to deal with like right before Gen Con, which is like the biggest event they're probably doing. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. It's a super simple game. It's really fun. Um, I think their games are like if you if you want to buy the game, it's like fifty bucks. Which for what it is, it's such a simple game. It's not too much you could probably make this on your own for less money um but it's just still super cool concept and i really enjoyed it. i had a really good time with their booth the guys there were absolutely amazing they were really fun um and everybody there was having a good time so i thought it was a really cool it was something different from most of the other games that you saw at at gen con where everything is so like intense and kind of like you're diving deep into stuff and there's like so much going on it was just really just cool to see like a sock and, and, and I'm a soccer guy. So like cool to see like a soccer slash air hockey style board game there. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very. Yeah. Um, and then the last game we kind of want to talk about is a uh, trial by trolley, 
Uh, this is one where me and Zach both played, and uh, oh, it's amazing! It's so good. Yeah, if you know Joking Hazard, it's from the same like creators of that, so it has a similar aesthetic. But essentially, it uses the 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 trolley problem as a base. So you know, the trolley problem: if there's a trolley going to one person versus five people, and you're the conductor, do you switch the track to kill the one person and save the five people? It it, it does that, but it does that on such a like a funny scale um that you basically have one person as the conductor the person who last had murderous urges becomes uh the conductor at the start and then the rest of the people divide into two teams each team picks three cards um well each team picks three cards three uh good people three bad people and three modifiers the good person you're going to put on your side of the track. It's basically the board is like a train track that divides into two lanes. So you're creating a track of the trolley problem for your team. And there's a track for uh, for the trolley problem of the other team. And the conductor is deciding which side they want to kill. Uh, so every each side gets one good person. They pick three cards from the good people and they pick one of them to put down. And for example, a good person could be like... Oh, the person who will grow up to cure cancer, or it could just be uh, 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 a a school of deaf kids <laughs> out in the camp, <laughs> uh, having a campfire or whatever, like something where you don't want to run them over. And then each team also picks three bad cards, which they put on the other side of the 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 track for the the opposing team. And some of the bad cards, uh, one of them is straight just Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> one oh my of them. god yeah it's just adolf hitler that's <laughs> it and really you uh, don't need much more than that do you Pat? Well, one of them <laughs> is uh what was the other the guy who gave a bad review to toy story or something like that yeah, there's a guy who gave a bad review to toy story there's the guy who's responsible for uh keeping uh fast and furious going yeah so stuff where you do want to kill the person <laughs> you put on the opposite <laughs> side of the track and then each team also gets three modifiers that they can put on any person on the track and modifiers could be good or bad so if it's a modifier of like oh uh this person just kidnapped a family of four you can put that modifier on the person's the the good person on the opposite side so it's like oh yeah he's a good person but he just kidnapped a family of four he's a shit bag do you want to kill him uh so, um, and then it just becomes a game of di- uh, like discussion where you're trying to make your argument like, okay, I understand we have Hitler, but they have a mime. What is that mime going to do? Or like, there's a clown. He's probably killing people right now. <laughs> like, it was funny. Like, the, the scenario we had, I remember it vividly. I don't remember the good people. I just remember the bad. So maybe I don't remember it vividly as I thought. Because the point of discussion was on our bad people. We had on our side um the kkk recruitment center (laughs) and on their side they had hitler and pat starts this discussion with nobody here is saying hitler wasn't bad (laughs) and when that's how the discussion starts like (laughs) it's ridiculous i mean i had to make the argument for not killing hitler so i'm like obviously hitler's bad but he's dead. He's in the past. The KKK is going on right now. So you want to kill the KKK. Chance was the trolley conductor, which is why it was so funny because he's having to pick between Hitler and the KKK. And then they just completely put the nail in our coffin by making it. You want to tell them the modifier? Yeah. So the modifier we put down on our side. So we put it on our KKK recruitment center. That is if Chance decided to have the train hit our side, 
instead of the KKK people dying, they split into two half-sized versions of the original. So they don't die. They double in size. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> they double in volume. And <laughs> Pat sitting there, he knows it's over. I can see in his face that he knows it's over, but he's trying so hard to convince Chance to still kill our side. He's like, yeah, they're half size. That means half the power. He's like half the ability to recruit to half the races. I'm like, no, it's double the amount. <laughs> yeah, there was just no coming back from that. And then uh what was another one we had uh we were playing and Casey was the conductor and on our side it was her entire family. And I right. know how much she loves her niece and her her family. So I knew we had the win right then and there. And then their side, Zach's side, had uh the the promising young scientist uh who's going to advance medical uh technology or something like that on their side and then i put the modifier on their side <laughs> oh yeah but he's also responsible for war crimes yeah oh god was it. it was a rough time. Yeah, i sat there and casey just looks at me she's like defend this i'm like you know the price you pay for medicine <laughs> kill your family and save the guy who did war crimes <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting game, and it's fun creating your own trolley problem. and having Yeah, just the, the discussion behind yeah. it, where you're like, I don't agree with this, but I have to defend it. Right. Uh, There's one where I think we, we convinced somebody where it was just like, yeah, this guy's a really shitty person, but you get his yacht if you don't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> the is like an absolutely horrible human being, but you get his yacht. Yeah, you really got to play to the person. Are they more self-centered and they're going to care about their stuff? Or are they, you know, altruistic and, and want to save, like, the good of humanity or something like that? I think when we're playing at John's house and we're like, your house is on this side. And he's like, yeah, I'm not I'm not destroying my house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't care what's like, on the other side. But yeah, no, it's it's a fun game. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun time. Uh, I had a lot of fun at Gen Con overall. I think next year, if we do go, we might cut it down a day because I feel like none of us went Sunday, right? We just yeah, went home. None of us went Sunday, so I would just do a three-day pass. I wouldn't even bother staying Sunday. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's all fun, but it's just too much to have four days in a row, and you're, you're just kind of tired of walking the show floor, and they're not really changing a lot of the booths. They have different events going on, but it's not I, – I think it's too exhausting. Um, plus, parking is really expensive. Get yeah, your shit together. Is- yeah, parking in Indy's awful. Like every garage you go to is like thirty bucks for like a few yeah. hours of parking. I'm like, that's absurd. And they know because all the ones that were like, oh, ten dollar parking is like, oh, it's the lot is full. I'm like, I can see there's no cars there, you pieces of shit. Right. <laughs> Those are probably all like electric vehicle spots that are like Yeah. Well, they do have a bunch of shit that's like reserved. That's because of like all the companies and stuff that are down there. Yeah. Reserved parking. But it was a fun time. I will say, uh, I, I will blame Michael for not explaining something correctly because he's like, "Oh yeah, the the baby person from the boys is here," and I'm like, "Okay, Jack Quaid, I guess. Uh, that's cool. If I see him around, I'll I'll like you know get his autograph or whatever." And then later on, he meant the person that acts like a baby, as in Homelander. And I'm like, you fucking start with Homelander. I would have immediately gone to that line. Uh, but I wasn't able to get a picture or like an autograph from Homelander. But apparently he was there in his uh, full costume and everything. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. 
yeah, that would have been a highlight. But fucking Michael's like, oh yeah, the baby per- like that's a terrible description for Homeland. Oh, like I saw Michael like several hours after you did. I think I didn't see him until really late. So the first thing he said to me when we after we like like met up and stuff he was like oh yeah homelander was here <laughs> yeah i was like oh i don't even watch the boys and i know who homelander is that would have been cool yeah <laughs> he, had, he, he had no trouble explaining it to me which means he must talk to you prior to that yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh yeah i don't mean to fuck this up for you now that i fucked it up for pat <laughs> yeah but he, he was only there a limited uh, amount yeah. of time and then they must have had some promotional thing because like the the lanyards the for lanyard. the badges were all like the boys themed so but yeah it was a, it was a fun time i don't have a subpar subtitles prepared so we're just going to skip that thanks for listening remember you can catch us on google podcast apple podcast stitcher or spotify can we reach us with any questions comments concerns tell us or if you're uh, a gen con. yeah if you're gen con if you want to scare zach reiterate the proper way to introduce Homelander at the untitled gaming podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on our social media on Twitter, or I guess X we are at T U G P O D on Instagram. We're at T U G underscore P O D we're on threads. I think that's the same as Instagram. Maybe no one knows uh, on Reddit. We are at r slash tug pod and on Facebook. We're the untitled gaming podcast, which is also a part of Instagram. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, also okay. check our. No. no. So Facebook is now meta meta owns Instagram threads is like Twitter on Instagram. Okay. But aren't Facebook, Instagram and threads all connected. Y- yeah. It all falls under the meta umbrella, but they're all different social media. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Okay. Um, also, check out our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash tugpod. We also ask that you subscribe and leave us reviews. Five-star reviews for us. One-star review for every other podcast. Chance? Is not here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>